The following message is brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity and was recorded at Westminster Chapel in Toronto. To learn more about the Ezra Institute's mission to declare the Lordship of Jesus Christ over every area of life, please visit www.ezrainstitute.ca. Good morning, my brothers and sisters. Our scripture reading this morning is 2 Samuel chapter 13, verses 1 to 22. Now Absalom, David's son, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar. And after a time, Amnon, David's son, loved her. And Amnon was so tormented that he made himself ill because of his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin. And it seemed impossible to Amnon to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very crafty man. And he said to him, O son of the king, why are you so haggard morning after morning? Will you not tell me? Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Jonadab said to him, Lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, Let my sister Tamar come and give me bread to eat and prepare the food in my sight, that I may see it and eat it from her hand. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. And when the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, Please let my sister Tamar come and make a couple of cakes in my sight, that I may eat from her hand. Then David sent home for Tamar, saying, Go to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house where he was lying down. And she took dough and kneaded it and made cakes in his sight and baked the cakes. And she took the pan and emptied it out before him, but he refused to eat. And Amnon said, Send out everyone from me. So everyone went out from him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, Bring the food into the chamber that I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the cakes she had made and brought them into the chamber to Amnon, her brother. But when she brought them near to him, he took hold of her and said to her, Come, lie with me, my sister. She answered him, No, my brother, do not violate me, for such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not do this outrageous thing. As for me... Where could I carry my shame? And as for you, you would be as one of the outrageous fools in Israel. Now therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. But he would not listen to her. And being stronger than she, he violated her and lay with her. Then Amnon hated her with very great hatred, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Get up, go. But she said to him, No, my brother, for this wrong in sending me away is greater than the, one, the other that you did to me. But he would not listen to her. He called the young men and, who served him and said, Put this woman out of my presence and bolt the door after her. Now she was wearing a long robe with sleeves, for thus were the virgin daughters of the king dressed. So she his, this servant put her out, his servant put her out and bolted the door after her. And Tamar put ashes on her head and tore the long robe that she wore. 
And she laid her hand on her head and went away, crying aloud as she went. And her brother Absalom said to her, Has Amnon, your brother, been with you? Now hold your peace, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this to heart. So Tamar lived, a desolate woman, in her brother Absalom's house. When King David heard of all these things, he was very angry. But Absalom spoke to Amnon neither good nor bad. For Absalom hated Amnon because he had violated his sister Tamar. This is the word of the Lord. Well, we need to pray before we consider this text. Let's pray. Father, these words are heavy. And Lord, we live in a world where what we just heard happens far too often. And we don't know what to do. And so I ask that as we consider these words together, we consider this account, that we would know the presence and power of your Spirit who leads us and binds us to Christ. Christ, the one who not only covers our shame, but he takes our shame upon himself. Who delivers us, who forgives us, who heals us, who renews us and restores us. And I pray that we would know the power and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ this morning. For we ask it in his name. Amen. Now, we read a text like this, and we, I, I say to you after reading it, this is the word of the Lord. And you say, thanks be to God. And forgive me for saying this, but reading a text like that, we, we do wonder, this is the word of the Lord? And it is. This is the word of the Lord. And God's word does not hide or cover up or minimize the darkness, the depravity, the evil of our sin. And God's word shines a light into the darkness, the depravity, the evil that was in David's own household. This was going on behind closed doors. This was out of public view, but God's word exposed it. God's word made it known. And it reveals to us that the sin of David against Bathsheba and against her husband Uriah was no isolated incident. It was systemic in the royal household. And David had brought that sin into his own family. Now, we've been living in a time where we've been behind closed doors. And I know that as you talk to one another, many of us are reporting that, well, you know, this has been difficult, but it's been a time where, you know, there's been an increased sense of urgency in my prayer, and I've known the closeness of the Lord in this, and I'm reading the Bible more, and there's been a great time for our family, and we're doing this family worship together, and then you're looking on, you know, people's Facebook and Instagram, and look, so-and-so has taken up these new hobbies, and this person's making sourdough bread, and look at this family's putting little dances together, and Everything seems so great behind closed doors. But sin often takes root and it festers and grows behind closed doors. 
And we know just by the reports of internet traffic that the use of pornography has gone way up over the last few months. A recent survey of people about drinking revealed that one in four people admitted to binge drinking in the last week. Consumption of alcohol is going up. And by, by the way, consumption of alcohol in Canada is already among the highest in the world per capita. And we know from women's shelters, we know from 911 operators that violence in the home, abuse in the home is going up. So the Lord has given us a text that shines a light to what goes on behind closed doors. And yes, some of you are hearing about other people in the church and, you know, how the Lord has been really gracious and blessed them and how they've grown during this time. But you know yourself, this hasn't been a time of knowing God's grace and it hasn't been a time of growth. Some of you have fallen back into pornography. Some of you are drinking more. Some of you have found that your marriages uh, have been struggling all the more. And now we're rejoicing, we're coming back to church, and you come back in here on a Sunday morning, and you're more broken than you were before all this. And you feel like, ah, oh, I got a smile, and you know, everything's great, we're all back together. Well, this text is, is, is given to us to wipe away all of that kind of superficial smiles, everything's great. The Lord will deal with us as we are. He's not going to deal with us as we're pretending to be. So he's given us this text to consider. This morning. And we read it and we think, well, that's, you know, I'm not Amnon. No, that's really bad. But the sin, the covetous lust, the abuse of power in Amnon, we need to recognize that's in all of us. And we need to confront that. We need to deal with that. So as we consider this text, I want us to consider three things. First, Amnon's sin against Tamar. Secondly, the response of the other men in her life. Mainly how Absalom responded, how David responded. And then finally, Tam, uh, Tamar herself. And her heart-wrenching question, where could I carry my shame? There is an answer to that question. So first, Amnon's sin. And notice how this account begins. His sin is lust. He is lusting after his sister. She's beautiful. He doesn't love his sister. He's lusting after his sister. And that's clear because of what we see right there in verse 2. He made himself ill. He was tormenting himself. Why? Because it seemed impossible for him to do anything to her. He doesn't love his sister. He wants his sister to satisfy his own desires. This is lust. And lust is not love. And instead of repenting of that sin, and instead of seeking others, and instead of having others who would call him to repent of that sin, Jonadab simply helps him with it. He feeds it. He lets it torment him. He doesn't do anything about it. Now, our neighbor has a, has a huge maple tree in her backyard. And every spring, it rains down maple keys onto our driveway and onto our car and onto our backyard. And there's a lot of them. And so I have to go out and sweep it all up. Now, sweeping up the maple keys from the driveway is pretty easy. You know, it's no problem. Actually, I've got a pretty good leaf blower, and it, it's a fast job. But in the grass, on the lawn, it's a little harder. They, they stick to the grass. It takes work to rake it up. But I need to do that because 
the maple keys, some of them are going to germinate, some of them are going to take root, and then I'm going to have little maple trees growing up in my backyard, and maybe one or two do show up, and I've got to pull them out while they're saplings. Now, if I don't do anything about that, eventually those are going to become huge, oak tre- or huge maple trees. I'm not going to be able to uproot a maple tree. And sinful temptations are like those maple keys. So we're, we're all going to face sinful temptations. They come our way. They're like maple keys falling on us. Now, that in itself is not a sin. Having a sinful temptation is not a sin. But what do we do with the maple keys? Now, sometimes those temptations fall on areas of our life where we're strong. It's like the driveway. Well, it's easy to sweep it up. It's no problem. But other times, those maple keys fall on areas of our life, like the lawn, where, where they stick. You know, those weaker areas in our life. And then it takes work. We've got to rake it up. It takes effort. And if we don't do anything about it, it'll germinate. It'll take root. And if we don't uproot it, it'll become like a tree. And then we won't be able to uproot it. And lust is, is very much a, a sin that finds its, finds its way into those weaker areas of our life. It takes work. But we, we've got we to rake it up. You have to uproot it right away. Because if you don't, it will take hold. And if you leave it, it's going to become like a maple tree. You will not be able to uproot it. This is what happened to Amnon. And notice how his lust revealed itself. Because lust is simply veiled hatred. It's veiled hatred. Look at verses 15 and 16. I'll read them again. Then Amnon hated her with a very great hatred, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Get up, go. But she said to him, No, my brother, for this wrong in sending me away is greater than the other that you did to me. But he would not listen to her. He called the young man who served him and said, Put this woman out of my presence. Now you need to know that the word woman there is added to our English translations. What he actually says is, get this out of here. Get this out of here. Bolt the door after her. This is what lust does. To lust is to hate. Lust is just simply veiled hatred. And lust causes us to dehumanize others, to objectify others, to say, get this. I want this. When I'm done with it, get this out of here. That's what lust is. That what, that's what lust does. Now, we live in a society that, if it's not downplaying lust, it's promoting lust. It promotes lust, which means we live in a society that promotes hatred of other people. It promotes the dehumanization of other people. Now, man, this is, this is a warning to you about what you're looking at online. Because there's an education going on there. It is training you. It is teaching you to hate women. It is teaching you to dehumanize women. It trains you. It teaches you. And you'll find, and some of you know this, you'll find that it dehumanizes you too. And notice that Tamar says that to Amnon. Where will I be, be able to carry my shame? And you, Amnon, you're be, you'll, be, you'll be a fool. That means you'll be senseless. 
you lose the capacity to love. That's what lust does. It slowly, it slowly draws, it slowly steals away our capacity to love. And it replaces that with hatred. Now, some of you know this, that lust in your life has taken the form not just of a maple key that you can, you know, you've got to rake it up, or even a sapling. It's, it's a tree. It's a tree in your backyard. You can't uproot it. And in your own strength, you cannot uproot it. You can't uproot it. But let me say this. Sin in general, but particularly the sin of lust, thrives and it has its power in darkness. In the darkness. If you bring it out into the light, it will start to lose its power. And some of you know this just by sharing what you're struggling, your struggle with another, another brother in the church. You need to confess this sin and don't just confess it before God. You need to do that. But confess it to an older, a mature, a trusted brother in the church. Confess it to him. Bring it out into the light. And don't just bring it out into the light between the two of you, but bring it out into the light of Christ. Because in the light of Christ, that sin is forgiven. Name it, confess it, bring it out into the light, and your brother will then announce and will affirm you in the forgiveness that we have in our Lord. He will announce and affirm you in the deliverance, the salvation, the healing, the renewal that we have in our Lord. So do that. Don't delay. Do it today. Talk to a faithful brother. And something new that we're going to do in the life of the church here is every Sunday morning at 9.15, there will be either an elder or a pastor or a faithful brother, sister, men and women, who will come here at 9.15, will be in the, in the prayer room there. And if you need to come for prayer for any reason, it doesn't mean you need to come and confess this particular sin, for any reason, but you need to come and pray. You need to come and talk with someone, pray with someone before, before the service. We'll be here. A man and a woman. We don't need to all be together. We can go somewhere in private, but have that time to confess, to pray, to be affirmed in God's mercy, God's grace. And remember what we just sang in that song, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. He breaks the power of canceled sin. Think about that phrase. Yes, our sin is canceled on the cross, but the power of the Spirit, the saving work of Christ, breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the captive free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. So that's the sin of Amnon. There's more to what Amnon's sin than that. We need to hear this too. Amnon abused his power. He abused his strength. And the text makes that clear. He was stronger than she. He was stronger. He abused his power and strength. I've done a lot of reading this week about violence against women in history around the world today in Canada. It's very hard to get statistics on this because it's often not reported. But what we have from 2016 concerning domestic violence, and this is violence in the home or it's violence 
in a, in a close relationship. So in 2016, there were 73,000 women in Canada who reported abuse to the police. That's 200 calls a day. 200 women a day are calling the police reporting abuse. That's the women who call. The vast majority of women do not call. And there's all kinds of reasons for that. They're not able to call. And it's not just physical or sexual abuse. It's, it's verbal, it's psychological, it's emotional, it's financial. And we know that over the last few weeks, this has been increasing. It's been increasing under this lockdown. Now, when it, one in three women report having experienced this. One in three. So let's not think that it never happens in the church. It does happen in the church. And the question is, how do we respond? What do we do about it? And here we need to consider the response of Absalom, Tamar's brother, and David, Tamar's father. Let's consider how they responded. So first of all, Absalom. When Tamar comes out and she's crying aloud with ashes on her head and her robe is torn, Absalom sees her. And he says to her, has Amnon, your brother, been with you? He knows right away what's happened, which means he knew that, his, that Amnon was a threat to Tamar. He knew it. Didn't do anything about it. Now these words of comfort. Hold your peace, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take it to heart. This is sometimes, even often, the experience of women in the church. This sort of take-it-to-heart response. Well, that can't be the response of the church. So we can't just offer superficial comfort and then send the woman away. That's what Amnon does. Doesn't seek her healing doesn't seek justice. And then David's response. Notice that David unwittingly facilitated this whole thing. Now, unwittingly, but he should have known better. And then when he hears this, look at verse 21. When David heard of all these things, he was very angry. Then that's it. That shouldn't have been where the period came. He was very angry and he brought Amnon to justice and he sought the healing and restoration of his daughter. No, he was just angry and did nothing. Now, if you read Psalm 51, that, that, that beautiful and powerful prayer of repentance that David prayed after Nathan confronted him, He says, towards the end of that psalm, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. And then listen to this. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. He promised that. Then I will teach transgressors your way, and sinners will return to you. He said it. He didn't do it. 
There's no discipline, there's no justice, there's no action on David's part. And Tamnar lives the rest of her life in desolation, it says. David did nothing about it. He was her father and he was the king. He was the only one that could do anything about it. He didn't. Well, what about us in the church? And men, I want to address you. And young men, boys, I want to address you too. What about us in the church? What kind of men are we? Are we like Absalom? Are we like David? And here I want to say five things to the men. Saying it to me too. First of all, Study the Gospels, read the Gospels, and study in particular how Jesus responds to women, speaks to women, his engagement with women. Read through the Gospels. Pay attention to that. You'll find again and again, he gives particular attention to women. He sees them. He hears them. He heals them. He honors them. He commends them. You see that again and again through the Gospels. Even the week before his death, you'll remember the account. All of the Gospels record this. There's a reason why they all record it. The woman who anointed Jesus, anointed his feet. Remember the disciples, even after being with Jesus three years and seeing how he, how he spoke to women, how he responded to women. They say, what's she doing here? Get her out of here. She doesn't belong here. They, they rebuke Jesus and they rebuke her. And remember Jesus' response. She has done a beautiful thing. And then he says this, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Wherever my story is told, her story will be told. That's what he's saying. So, study the Gospels. Secondly, husbands. Hear God's word to you for how you are to love your wife. How you're to use your power and your strength in your marriage. It's not to coerce, it's not to manipulate, it's not to control, it's not to dominate, it's not to put down. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then he goes on to say, nourish her and cherish her as Christ does the church. Lay down your life for her, nourish her, cherish her. That's your calling. Here's a definition of masculinity. Uh, It's from Doug Wilson. But he says this. Masculinity is the glad assumption of sacrificial responsibility. The glad assumption of sacrificial responsibility. Men, that's what it looks like for you in the home. The glad assumption of sacrificial responsibility. Now, this is Father's Day. Fathers, raise your sons... To see women the way Jesus saw women. Raise your sons to love and honor their mother. Raise your sons to love and be kind and care for their sisters. 
And when they dishonor their mother and when they are unkind to their sisters, discipline them for it. And show them what it looks like. Model it for them by the way that you love their mother. And show them what the love of Christ looks like by the way that you love their mother. Now men, in the life of the church, we, we need to hold each other to account for this. If you hear another brother, another man in the church speaking a certain way about women, don't just let that go. Address it. If you observe something that doesn't look quite right, speak to your brother about it. Now, we need to be careful here because in, 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 in more desperate situations, if you just march in there and confront the man, you know, he's likely to go home and it'll be even worse for the woman. So, we need to be wise about this. You might just begin by asking some questions. But we can't just ignore it. We cannot just ignore it. We have to, we have to keep each other to account. We have to exhort, we have to encourage, we have to build each other up to be the men that Christ has saved us and called us to be. And then my final point is this. Don't think for a minute that if you in your past have failed to be the man that Christ has called you to be and saved you to be, don't think because, because of that then, then you can't say anything. And it could be that David didn't say anything because he felt, I'm morally compromised. I'm guilty of, the, of, of, of a similar sin as Amnon. But remember what he prayed. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. Because I've repented, because I'm, I've been restored, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. It is precisely repentant and restored men who are able to confront other men on this. So don't feel like, well, I'm, who am I to, to say? If, you, if you're repentant, you've been restored in Christ. Say something. And now Tamar's shame and her, her heart-wrenching question, where could I carry my shame? Now, we need to listen to Tamar in this text because she's not silent. And God's word gives her a voice. God's word lets her speak. And we're meant to listen to her. Remember what she said when Amnon took hold of her. She rebuked him. She pleaded with him. She said, no, my brother, do not violate me for such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not do this outrageous thing. As for me, where could I carry my shame? And as for you, you would be as one of the outrageous fools in Israel. She speaks. She's bold. She rebukes. And when Amnon afterwards tries to send her out, she again rebukes him and pleads with him. And God's word makes it clear about Tamar that she is pure, she is just, she's righteous, she's blameless. And afterwards, it says, she put ashes on her head. She tore the long robe that she wore. And she laid her hand on her head and went away, crying aloud as she went. Now, Tamar had remarkable strength. 
And many women, most women, are not able to do what she did in this case. And the purpose of this text is not to say, hey, you've got to be like Tamar. No. But even though she spoke out, she was still set aside, lived the rest of her life in desolation. And some of you this morning, you, you know exactly what that, what that is like. You're living in desolation right now. And I want you to know that there are other women in this church who love you, who will listen, with, listen to you, who will pray with you. And so you know, I hope that you know another woman in the church, a mature woman, an older woman, a godly woman. You can talk to her. She'll listen. She'll pray with you. Now you need to know too, Pastor Trevor is here. He's a counselor. You can talk to him. And we've got resources for you. If you need something to read, something to, that will address what you're going through, we'll speak to you. Now Tamar was shamed and she was desolate. And this question is left ringing out of this text and it's unanswered in the text. Where could I go? Where could I carry my shame? Now it's not answered in this text, but it is answered. There is someone who's listening to Tamar. There is someone who will receive her. She can go to him. That's the Lord Jesus. She can go to Christ. And some of you are asking the same question. Where can I go to carry my shame? You can go to him. You can go to the Lord Jesus. He hears your cry and he's answered your cry. And he knows your shame. And we must never forget this. The gospel is not simply that Christ died for us. No, we proclaim Christ crucified. It wasn't just that he died for us. He was crucified. He was stripped naked. He was abused. He was degraded. He was, he was humiliated. So he knows your shame. And remember what Hebrews 12 says. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He knows your shame, but he has borne your shame. He carries your shame. You can carry it to him because he knows it and he will carry it. And for the joy that was set before him, he despised the shame of the cross. And that's you. You are the joy that was set before him. And remember too, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he went into the synagogue and he was invited to come and preach, to teach. And he opened the scroll and he found the place where it was written in Isaiah. And you have that on the front of your service sheet. You'll remember he opened it and he read it. 
And after reading it, he said, this prophecy has been fulfilled in your hearing. It is fulfilled in me. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress, a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that they may be glorified. And then it goes on in verse 7 to say, instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Jesus said, this has been fulfilled in me. So Tamar cried out, where can I carry my shame? And Jesus says to her, carry it to me. And some of you are crying out, where can I carry my shame? And Jesus says, carry it to me. Instead of your shame, I will give you a double portion. I will give you grace upon grace. Instead of dishonor, you will rejoice. Instead of ashes, I will give you a beautiful headdress. Instead of desolation and mourning, he says to you, I will give you the oil of gladness. And instead of your torn and blood-soaked robe, I give you a garment of praise. And as we come to the Lord's table now, know that it is the same Lord Jesus who invites you to this table. And in this bread, we see his body, which was broken and given for you. And in this cup, we see his blood, which was shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of our sins. This message has been brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity. Please feel free to share this content, but do not charge for it or alter it in any way without the express written consent of the EICC. For more resources, please visit ezrainstitute.ca.